and welcome to the Internal Miscommunications Podcast, a show all about messing up and moving on in the world of internal comms. I'm your co-host, Erica Goodwin, and joining me as always, my favorite Brit, Keith Riley. Keith, say hello. Howdy, y'all. Wow. All right. <laughs> this, we, this is where we are, friends. So, Keith, I'm super excited to uh, be welcoming our guest today. It's another transatlantic duo, just like us, <laughs> except hey. they're way more experienced and dynamic. Please welcome Jason Anthoin and Benjamin Ellis. Hello, hello, hello. Howdy, oh. y'all. Jason, this experience, is that just a polite way of saying old in the U.S.? I'm just checking. I think so, yeah. Uh, HR okay. allows you to say experience, but they don't allow you to say old. <laughs> what? I once called somebody wizened because I thought it meant I thought it meant that they were wise, but it just meant that they were really <laughs> It's better than seasoned, seasoned, you know. That sounds like a chicken breast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're not going to belabor any sort of lengthy introduction because these guys are icons in internal communications. Do you get it? I C O N S icons. Oh, got it. Yes. Slick. So we are just going to jump right in. Um, So, Jason and Benjamin, um, you can tell us a little bit, just real brief, give us your little 15, 20 second elevator pitch. Uh, Jason, you go first. Well, A, it's great to be here. B, I don't know about being an icon. That feels like a lot of pressure. Uh, C, um, I've been doing internal comms, uh, employee engagement and change management stuff for mm, 31, 32 years or so um, for what we call the Fortune 500 and the less fortunate 5,000. So <laughs> people like to think that there's a big difference because you're a giant company. Nope. As soon as you hire employee number two, you have internal comms problems and I'm here to solve them. So thank you for letting me be on your podcast. It's brilliant. Brilliant. And Benjamin, please give us your spiel. Oh, that's fantastic. I love hanging around with Jason because I can be like the newcomer because I've only been doing like two decades. (laughs) So I'm just like just getting started on the journey. Um, My my background was really kind of tech and then marketing and then kind of ended up with this team. It's like, what do these folks do? It's like, oh, they do internal comms. Oh, that's that's interesting. How how does that work? (laughs) So that was my, my kind of introduction. And... Um, a few a few decades later, um, I'm now the CEO of Social Optic, and what we do is we actually use technology to analyze people's communications and analyze mm. the culture, uh, which is just so much fun. Really interesting to a to see what computers make of stuff, but b just to kind of understand culture and what happens and what goes wrong in communication, um, and with a kind of evidence based approach. It's like what, what what's the actual data on that? What's really going off? Um, and it's really surprising. So that's my day to day. Oh, well, you will never be without a job then. (laughs) It is constant. And compared to Jason, maybe, does that make us all spring chickens? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I get in trouble for calling people kids all the time. And anybody younger than me is a kid. So if I say kids today, (laughs) sorry, I've earned the right. (laughs) So Jason and Benjamin, before we jump into our deeper questions, Keith likes to play this little game, a little spelling game. So I'm going to pass him, pass you off to him for a little challenge. Fun. Fun indeed. Um, and obviously we are transatlantic. Um, so there is a right way to spell these words and then the American way to spell these words. Um, and only one of those ways will be uh, the correct way um but i think looking at them only one of them might pose a bit of an issue um, so Spoiler. i don't mind i don't mind who goes first but uh so yeah if you do, you guys decide who goes first and then i'll choose the starting word and we'll see how we go benjamin well, why don't say, you do the honors i was gonna say age before beauty because it's a podcast and no one can tell right so <laughs> But I have age and beauty, so. Yeah, this is true. true. And since no one can see me, they just have to assume that's true. (laughs) So we'll go. We'll go then with uh, with you, Jason. So, uh, con. I can't even say it now. This is embarrassing. Contemplative. 
Contemplative. Contemplative. Uh, C-O-N-T-E-M-P-L-A-T-I-V-E. Contemplative. Correct. That wasn't the, uh, the, 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 the sticky word. But uh, Okay, uh, Benjamin, the next word is tautological. Oh, man. Um, well, do you know, that's like a nice Greek one. So I'm kind of dyslexic. But, but see, that one, see, T-O-R-T-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L. Oh, yeah, almost. Oh, almost. almost. And this is where autocorrect kicks in, and I'm fine. Okay, so it's T-A-U. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, um, I totally knew that. <laughs> okay, then the next word is synonym for you, Jason. Synonym. S Y N O N Y M. Correct. I think. Correct. Ah. It's just a mask. And then the, <laughs> the final word, Benjamin, is criticize. C R I T I. Well, I'm. <laughs> yeah, S I. Well, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just fumbling on the Z. I'm like, which side of the Atlantic do I choose here? Because I'm going to lose <laughs> friends over this. So, so it's like S E or Z E. I mean, just can I like put it in brackets with a slash? Because. Yeah, there, there will be people who unconnect for me on LinkedIn over this. <laughs> correct. How about correct? <laughs> so, other than tautological, which I'm going to put down to how I pronounced it, not how you spelt it, um, I would say that's a three and a half out of four. How's that? Um, which doesn't put you in the lead. Our previous guests were unfortunately a clean sweep with four of four, and that was Chuck and Kristen. But we... oh, I'm happy to be beaten by Chuck. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. He's taller than me as yeah. well. So, you know. Plus, okay. they're together all the time. They get to practice spelling all the time. And and you know they're definitely the type of couple that will just sit at home <laughs> over a glass of wine and just give each other spelling tests. So no, that's, that's right. cool. Um, well. Yeah, three out of four, which does actually put you in second place so far on the uh, on the scoreboard. So that's not bad. Um, but we will take a quick break, and then Erica will do her thing. Hi everyone, Keith here. I just wanted to remind you that you can get in touch with the show. The reason I'm reminding you of that is because we would love to hear from you about your stories of miscommunication, or even if you're facing a project that you might like a bit of help with, we'd love to read those out on the show. We'd also love to hear your feedback, or do you know what? Just tell us what you like. It might be that you don't like Erica's English accent, and it might be that you think that my American accent is absolutely brilliant. Either way, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. my gosh we're losing everyone <laughs> okay all right we're back from a break and now jason and benjamin we are going to put you in the hot seat for a minute so first off i want to just recognize that jason was the mastermind behind is that fair to say <laughs> that jason was the mastermind behind what employees want the conference about focusing on what it is employees actually want to hear from their leaders and companies, right? Well, I, I think mastermind's a strong word. Uh, we certainly couldn't have been able to pull it off without Benjamin's help and a lot of other people. But, you know, it kind of came from this whole concept of internal comms and HR people sit around and think, all right, we're going to send this out to our employees without ever really asking them if they want that kind of stuff or how they want it. And so that was the whole genesis for the for the conference and, and for the survey that accompanies it. Yes. And Benjamin, can you tell us a little bit about that survey and analyzing the data? Sure. And we just kind of, I got to ask all the questions that usually people are like afraid to ask about what employees really, really think about 
what they get um, from internal comms functions, whether they even realize they have one, um, what they think of what their leaders tell them. And um, I, it was eye-opening, right, Jason? It was um, no whole people told us what they thought. That's right. And because it's us, we can ask the kind of questions that HR typically is afraid to ask. And so that means you're going to get better answers anyway. So. Mm-hmm. But on the on the plus side, yeah, actually, people did really understand the importance of communication. That was like a universal in in the data. You know, when when we asked them kind of what would happen if you know internal comms went away, they were like, yeah, it would be chaos. Um, so you know, people understand the value, um, but there's just this massive gap between what people are saying they want and what they actually get and how they receive those communications. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to come back to that. Um, also, Keith, you may not know this. I am an OG participant of what employees want. I was actually there in Atlanta and saw Benjamin and Jason. Actually, so I knew Jason was going to be there, but when I saw Benjamin, I was like, "Holy crap, this is a big deal!" <laughs> he flew. We're global, all the way. baby. We're global. Global. That's right. He flew all the way anyway from the UK. Okay, yes. so before we get into more of what employees want, I want to hear from you and hear your stories, Benjamin and Jason, about your own personal examples of miscommunications, whether that's been recent or years ago. Um, tell us a glowing favorite example, glowing and favorite in quotation marks, of miscommunication from your uh, rich history in IC. Benjamin, you want to take that one first? You want me to, you want me to embarrass myself? <laughs> you, you, you just go ahead and embarrass yourself, Jason. I'll, I'll just pick up after you. I'll set the bar really low, so it should be very easy for you. All right, so here's uh, my most embarrassing miscommunication story. So years ago, kids, there used to be a thing called a typewriter. And when I was graduating from the journalism college at the University of Georgia, you literally had to type a cover letter and put it with a resume and put it in an envelope and mail it if you wanted to apply for a job. And my advisor said, and you're going to have to do that like 200 times. Just find all the companies you want um, and find out you know, who you need to contact um, and then send them a cover letter and a resume. I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work, but okay. So I got a bunch of resumes printed, um, and then I got the brilliant idea that I'm just going to have like a cover letter, but the middle part is going to be the same. So I can get all of those copies made, and then I can just put that in the typewriter, and then I can just write the first paragraph and then write the last paragraph. But the middle part will be the same for all of those. I was like, I'm brilliant. This is the best idea I've ever had. It's really cut down on all the work. So I started applying, writing these letters, putting them with the resumes, sending them out. I had sent dozens, I don't know, 50, 60, nothing. I was expecting a phone call, some kind of reaction. I was getting nothing. I was just really dejected about it. So I was like, maybe something wrong with this letter. Uh, and so I got out the letter and looked at it. And lo and behold... In the middle paragraph that was then on every single letter that I had sent out was a typo where I was talking about how much I really wanted to get a job in public relations, but there was no L in public. Much to my surprise, I had sent that, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 times. So I'm sure somewhere in this country, that letter is in somebody's file, and they use that as an example of what not to do when you are applying for a job. Um, so my recovery on that was rip nice. that up, never try it to be nice. uh, so efficient that I end up screwing myself like that. And so after that, I had to just type every single letter each time um, because I was so <laughs> embarrassed about what I had done. So there's my miscommunication. Oh, dear. See, mine was, mine was less embarrassing, but it's... Oftentimes with our miscommunication, we don't get to see the results, right? We just don't know it's happened with a lot of, of miscommunication. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of what I see day to day is just like, mm, people didn't quite hear what you 
thought they heard. Um, right. The one that always sticks with me was um, we're installing a collaboration platform, you know, social software is oh, called wow. it in, in an organization. And I've been kind of called in to come and explain to people how this was going to work and how exciting it was going to be. They could collaborate, they'd have this social platform and could share things of what's going off. Great. So I'm kind of given this presentation, it's all going wonderfully, but there's one guy at the back who's just looking a bit agitated. And I kind of carry on. It's like, you know, you're all going to be using it. We want everyone in the, the company to participate. And it's just, you know, you could see the guys going red in the face. Like, yeah, this is really strange what's going on. And eventually it's like, I'm going to have to stop you. I said, what? 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 He goes, well, I'm not doing this. It's like, well, this is a really strong objection to you know, using a, a web app. But here we go. He goes, no, I'm not doing it. I was warned you were coming. I was told you're here to install the socialist system, and that's not how it works. <laughs> socialist system. <laughs> Just got to install a socialist system. So uh, I, I have a little confession because I recently have miscommunicated, but not not at work. So obviously COVID has hit and globally, um, and we've all been working from home. But I had that rocky kind of moment halfway through, thinking, "Gosh, what if things don't have? What if we don't have a good year at work? Like, what irons do I have in the fire to make sure that if if, if we have to get laid off, what?" You know what? What can I walk into quickly? Now we haven't been, and 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 we had the insurance uh, insurance assurance that we would never be because um, we're, we're able to work agile. So there was no, it was, it was a completely irrational fear. But I still had that moment of oh, I just need to make sure I've got something as backup. So I stuck a few applications out there, jobs that I didn't really want. Like nothing really moved me, but I just thought just get it out there, get get, get the feelers out there, and see what's happening. Um, I heard back from you a couple of weeks ago, um, and I said, listen, thank you very much. It's a very nice person, Thank you very much for applying. Um, really appreciate the skills that you demonstrate right and, right. And, and what you bring to the table in terms of the role, but it's not quite what we're looking for. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Thanks. On a side note, please note that you didn't upload your CV. Wow. And they're the like, we think you can renegotiate paragraph four. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So not not to make low light of the divorce of papers because researching, you know, life, surveying, but um, for what employees want it, for months it, and yeah, months now, which probably <laughs> feels like a bit of an eternity at this point um, because time is yeah. so strange. But what what were some uh, of the highlights yeah. that you heard from yeah. from employees on? not only what they wanted, but what can you infer from the data about how they had been miscommunicated with from their leaders and company? Right. Um, Benjamin, you can back me up on this one. Um, I, I think um, out of the survey, my favorite response to the, is to this question. So have you ever received an internal communication and thought to yourself, do they really expect us to believe this? <laughs> and right. So the response, 79% of the respondents said, yes, I've received one of those and thought, do they really expect us to believe this? Now here's the interesting part of those 79% who said, yes, I can't believe they expect us to believe this. 85 of those people are HR and communications people who are actually sending send these those. things out. <laughs> and they said, do they really expect us to believe this? And they're the ones sending it out. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, shocking. So shocking. Uh, the, the one that, that sticks with me is kind of what, <clears throat> what people don't notice. And we kind of, one of the questions we ask is what, what makes good communication and the kind of all these different elements about whether it was timely and um, all these kind of things. And there was one thing that kind of stuck out in the data, which was there was 
one group of people said story as an important part, another set who didn't. And basically there was this divide between like everyone who wasn't in comms pretty much didn't say that story was important to communication. Everyone in comms said that it was, um, which kind of was a bit of a mystery. And then you start to kind of look, look through what people have written and explaining that, that to kind of summarize the comments was, yeah, story is not important, but we just want stuff that's like, you know, structured and ordered and has like a logical structure. Mm. <laughs> um, it's like interesting and about people. It's like, oh yeah, we, we have a word for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sounds like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds so, like a story yeah, to me. Yeah. Yeah, people don't realize the communication that comes to them and what actually what makes it work. When they do to, to some degree, but it's amazing what is invisible in good communication is that is that power of story. It's just like hidden and embedded in there. People aren't aware of it. It's just it carries you on. Um, it's just like that was great. And you didn't realize that you were taken on the journey and, and told the story. And that's really what you know what people want is just some coherence to what they get and yeah. some humanity in it. Again, that's really the common theme in the responses is like. Don't be a robot. Um, you know, be human. They want leaders who are human and, and communicate in a human way, and and you know, including the, the mistakes, right? Because that makes them human. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They really they really stressed you know taking the corporate out of corporate communications. It was just we want it to sound like it actually came from a human. We don't care even which human. Just have it be <laughs> sounding like a human. Mm-hmm. So. Why do you think that is that communicators and HR professionals are the ones who are less likely to really believe that the company is sending that out or the leader is sending that out? Well, I I think it comes from a couple of things. One, we've just kind of been, you know, accustomed to that, um, whether, you know, people are ghostwriting for leaders or, you know, whether leaders are doing it themselves or if the actual content is believable or not. I think for whatever reason, just over the years, it's just evolved to be, this is what internal communication should sound like. Um, And I think what's driving everybody's need and want for that to be different now is that when people are away from work, you know, everything's about relationships and they customize all their communications. They pick what they watch and what emails they subscribe to and all those types of things. And so they have, you know, this relationship-based content choices um, that they're able to make. And so now they're bringing those same expectations back into the workplace. And so their expectation is, if the worst piece of junk mail that comes to my house says, Dear Jason, I ought to at least be able to get a communication from the company I've worked at for 20 years that says, Dear Jason. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a lot of what's driving these new expectations about having that experience at work mirror uh, what the experience is when people are not at work. Yeah. Benjamin, do you have any follow-up thoughts on that? Yeah. I and mean, we, we're kind of starting to use um, kind of artificial intelligence in our platform to kind of summarize what people said. So it's really interesting when you take like thousands and thousands of responses, kind of stick them in and see what it throws out. Um, and one of the, the things that it, it threw out on, on what employees want was, was this phrase that communications is focused on what the company wants to tell employees not what the employees want or need to hear to do their jobs better. So, you know, out of the mouths of computers. Um, so so this, <laughs> we get into this thing of, uh, as communicators, communicating from a thing to a thing, like we're communicating from the companies to the employees. But mm. actually it's like, it's it's from Sarah or Dave to, you know, Philip or Jane, right? It's, it's, it's person to person. It has to be human. When we make it from a thing to a thing, people just pick on that and it just like sparks off in their brain. And we, and we go for the wrong thing as well. We're like, this is what I want to tell you. It's like, no, what, what is it that you need to do your job well? Because interestingly, yeah, the vast majority, it's like way over 80%, nearly 90%, they want to hear the stuff to get their job done, right? They want to do a good job. They just want the information to get a good job done. And that's the gap between what people want, you know, what, what the comms function wants to put over and what people actually need. And if you can close that gap, wow, it transforms the company. Mm. That's really interesting. So my speculation when I heard that the comms and HR people were kind of less likely to believe it is, I wonder if it's that from my vantage point, I see a little too much behind the curtain. And I also, as an internal communicator, would prefer that it be more that way, human to human, than how 
a leader may ask me to position it. So it feels, it has that feeling of being disingenuous. And then I feel it's, it's that a weird cognitive like disassociation because it's not how I would have done it yet. Here we are doing it this way anyway, because that's how the leader wants it done. And I can't believe we put that out and it's completely unrelatable for most of our humans. So to me, that's, that's kind of how I see it. But I think that's a, I think that's an excellent point because, you know, there's over a billion people on Facebook. Some of those people are these leaders. They're not writing that way on Facebook. They're not posting things like that on Facebook. They're doing it as a human. And, you know, why should their communications inside the organization be any different? You know, Mm -hmm. they should just be themselves. Yeah. So with the data, what are you, I know you did the survey, you've uh, presented at PRSA, the Employee Communications Conference Connect in August. What else are you doing with this data and uh, your duo roadshow, if you will, um, now that we're in this pandemic? says a, a couple of different things. One, it's like, it's an ongoing thing. So we're still gathering data and it's been quite interesting. And I think Jason probably jumped out is to see how that's kind of changing because we want to see how this moves over time as well. And also working with individual organizations. So we, we kind of originally did a, the big broad thing, um, but kind of now it's there where we can work with organizations and actually, you know, for, for those people who really, really want to know what's actually going on for the employees, we can run it in their organization and understand specifically for them what their employees want um and and that's yeah that's just great fun it's a real quick thing to 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 roll out and kind of report back on and give some insight as to where are the gaps in the communication where is it landing where is it not not landing because once you've got some data on that it's a really powerful tool to go back to the leadership team and go you know you do this thing well um it's not just me but you know <laughs> please not do that can we can we do it this way as well um, and so you know numbers are a really powerful communication tool for senior for senior leaders mm-hmm. so we can dive in and, and measure something and that you know whilst it's very much about the character of, of what we've done with what employees want is also data so that's that's kind of one of the bits we're doing going forward as well as keeping keeping the data collection rolling and, and learning That you see, data fascinates me because <clears throat> we can now track analytics from the people that are reading our emails. We can get the analytics from their engagement surveys. Um, we can now get analytics around how they engage then with our emails and what it makes them feel and things mm. like that. I can't wait for us to be able to kind of like pull all them together and then get a segmented view of what typical members of staff look like and. And how we can then tailor yeah, those. I think that's to the beauty to me of all these like uh, data uh, collection this kind of uh, tools and, and high tech platforms like that because it allows really us to sort of aggregate all of that uh, really information so that like we can use those high tech things to make high touch decisions because that's the emotional side of the relationship. All that data is the rational side of the relationship that employees have with their employers, but it's the emotional side that really determines whether they're engaged or not or satisfied or not. And so the high tech part of the data gives us the opportunity to really hone in on the high touch stuff that matters the most to those employees. And, and data is just a form of communication. So it has all the same things. Right. So it's just like not all communication is useful, not all data is useful. So it's really important to kind of get in there and ask the right questions um, and, and kind of bring that experience and, and contact. It's great work on that, just that kind of knowing what to ask so you get the, the right information because yeah, otherwise, like all communication, if it's not constructed right, it's going to send you off in the wrong direction. Mm. That's right. Yeah, good point. So how does a company go about meshing all of that together in mm. a way that feels very genuine to their company and perhaps even their culture and speaks to that personalized content and communication with their employees? 
I, I think, and Benjamin, you can weigh in here as well. I, I think it's a combination mm. of, you know, most organizations do some kind of engagement survey, and that typically takes six, nine months or something to get one of those done, and the results come in, and by the time they do, you know, the world has changed. The This survey, though, is a great way to sort of do that kind of a pulse check much more quickly, and then you can match it up against whatever other data that you're collecting uh, in the organization so that you are able to say, all right, our employees say um, that they would like, when we asked them on the engagement survey, they said, uh, you know, if you would like a better internet or not, 90% said, yeah, we'd love a better internet. Well, who the heck wouldn't want a better internet? Of course you want a better one. And so we can layer on on top of that and say, hey, you said you wanted a better internet, but let's ask this. Do you even want an intranet at all? Would you like something else? Would something be better for you? So, you know, it can be used to, to validate certain, you know, employee attitudes and wants and needs, but it can also be used as a cross-reference for any of the other data that you're collecting. Yeah. yeah and I th think, you know, people are just kind of starting to understand how to use data effectively. And I have a kind of slight allergic reaction on a lot of the kind of traditional employee engagement surveys where people do this like massive thing and it's just mm -hmm. like performance oh. drama. And then it kind of comes back months later and then gets stuck in a drawer. It's like, why, why even do that? Asking all the wrong questions to all the right people. Um, so, you know, it's really about kind of moving quickly. Yeah, we get kind of stuff out a week, two weeks, get it out, get the data back, present it back and turn it into action, into things that you can do things with. And that means building a map of the organization as well. So oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, information is lost in the averages and in assumptions. The two things I always say. And so oftentimes, like, we've got an 84. It's like, what, what even does that mean? Oh, we got an 84. Now, what you want to understand is, well, actually, you know, on our West Coast operation, we've got, you know, there's people who are less engaged. We've got, there's a, there's a weak link in the chain there. There's something we need to optimize. Or, you know, actually in, in, in this horizontal function, we've got something not working. So it's not just kind of, oh, it's this one blob. It's being able to kind of drill down and break it down and understand where's communication landing, Where's it not landing? What are the good and useful sources? Which sources aren't working? Which we dial up? Which we dial down? And how do we adjust those for the different audiences? Because there isn't one thing that works for everybody. Um, but at the same time, you can't get kind of lost in the last six people who came to your cube and building a strategy around that. So you've got to have a real view that, that is evidence-based of what's going on in the organization, but drilling down into what are different groups of people experiencing or what are those groups of stakeholders? Because sometimes it's not the obvious thing when you when you split apart the data it it might be around a particular set of people who joined at the company at a particular point in time see things a certain way need to hear things in a certain way and it's nothing to mm -hmm. do with the functional relationship or it can be some other factor that you just weren't aware of that actually wow there's this thing about our culture that we didn't know that we really need to embrace in our communication it's so funny. And I think, uh, and I think the interesting thing to us on that is that our friends in marketing have been doing this exact thing for decades. So, why, why, why should internal comms and HR and understanding employees be any different than mm -hmm. what marketing does to understand what our customers want and need, um, and really being able to drill down and think about specific customers and and smaller groups of customers? We need yeah. to be able to do the same thing for our employees. Absolutely. I been thinking the same thing you know digital marketing has it down you know to such a science they can personalize you know if um coca-cola or tide or you know like these fortune 500 companies mm. can target me erica in arkansas then why can we not target jason in atlanta or mm. you know ben mm. in i'm sorry ben where do you live <laughs> in the uk <laughs> near London. So yeah, we should absolutely be able to do that with our own, within our own organizations. Near London. Are there ways, and Benjamin, I think you alluded to this a bit earlier in one of your responses, <laughs> that there is kind of this um, implicit miscommunication built into most communication based on the sender and receiver of I love the that message. near London which is, is everywhere in the UK at all for anyone American prevent miscommunication uh, at do, least on you know London as internal communicators oh wow I mean that's the whole and it's just the fundamental of it I mean communication comes from one context into another context and then um, yeah we kind of do the transatlantic thing so my my 
decades ago, my very first trip to the US. I was like, you're quite nervous. Uh, I arrived from the airport and I've got in a taxi. And this is like, oh, this is all quite scary. And I mean, it's like, it feels like a movie set to me because that's the only time I've seen the US. And I get to my, get to the hotel and I say to the driver, can, can I have my luggage out of the boot? And he's like, what do you even want? I said, like, please, can I have my, my luggage out of the boot? <laughs> I just want my bags. I mean, I need my clothes. And this guy's just going to get me like, what's the crazy guy I want? Um, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, okay. And we're stuck at the trunk. Okay, we're there now. Um, Rough. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Um, and and the other, my other like favorite one that I did for years afterwards is like take the elevator to the, to the first floor because the whole thing of like this idea of a ground floor and a first floor and 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 there's just these little things where this yeah I just ask you to go to the first floor. What are you doing down here? Um, because <laughs> you know, in different cultures, the same words mean different things. And whilst that's that was like, lost on me with, then, with the US like, and why UK isn't he getting and, your and stuff out of the booth? That exact same thing applies to a lot of words that senior leadership teams use to communicate to employees. Um, we were doing a, a bit of um, research just a little while ago, and we asked, asked people about their company. And we used the word company, um, which is kind of a British word. But for a lot of people, that was not a meaningful word. And we asked them about their team. The word team was not meaningful to them. They didn't have teams. They had to shift the word together. And so, so oftentimes we pick these words and we think, oh, they understand what I'm saying. But actually, unless you really kind of know where your audience is coming from and that, that kind of context, it's like I, I study a lot. High growth companies are really successful. And it's a big thing for me is like getting data, understanding why it works. And one of the reasons oftentimes they work is they have a very consistent culture and people have a lot of shared meaning. So when you say go do the thing, people know exactly what you mean. Whereas if you find organizations that like, you know, they've acquired all, all sorts of different organizations, all sorts of different culture, it's just, I mean, wow, when you look at the data communication, right? It's just misfiring all over the place. Because when you say something to one set of people, they hear one thing, you say the same thing to a different set of people with a different heritage to the organization, it means something completely different. One set of yeah. people are fine with it, the other set, like, you've upset me now, you've hit a trigger button. So you really need to kind of understand those audiences and what you're bringing to it as well, your kind of own biases and what the leadership team has, because, oh my goodness, exec teams are terrible for their own code words, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. Jason, any follow-up thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, a lot of times it's it's like a totally different language and, you know, senior leaders are used to saying certain words and describing things in a certain way and they spend most of their time, you know, in front of a, a, a computer looking at Excels and other sort of dashboards. Uh, the majority of the organization doesn't do that all day long. And so, you know, things as simple as earnings, what, you know, what are our earnings for the month or the quarter or the year? Um, those things are just second nature for most senior leaders, but for most employees, it's very mysterious and quite confusing. So, you know, I've seen a lot of organizations go to sort of earnings explained, which is kind of taking the mystery out of what does it mean when we say earnings per share? What does it mean when we say margin? What does it mean when we say, you know, the stock uh, gained because of something a competitor did or didn't do? And so it's you know, people, I think, are afraid to ask questions because they don't necessarily want to look like they don't know. But mm -hmm. knowing that, how can we approach it by saying, all right, here are our earnings, but here's what it really means. And explain it in such a way that's, you know, relevant, you know, for your frontline employees, because they truly want to know. Benjamin just said they want to know exactly what they need to do to be able to do their jobs better. And if they can't understand the scoreboard that they're using to determine whether they're winning or not, there's no way they can do their job mm -hmm. better. They don't they can't they don't even know what the score is. Absolutely. And Benjamin, to your point, I have a book recommendation that you may want to consider or put on your wish list. It's a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And he studied, have you read it? Do you know the book? Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I have an original copy. I think it might even be signed. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Hi, I'm new here. I'm a spring chicken. <laughs> um, okay. Well, hi. But it's, a loss, it's a loss. It's 
there, um, there's a CK Cheston phrase, which I love. It's like one of my things, which is all new news is old news happening to new people. And there are some yes. old classic stuff that like, you know, your generation coming in, it's like, you want to go grab that, you want to go read it. And that is just a, a really good book to go read. Well, it's, a great, so it's a good exercise in communication as well, just the way that it's written. Well, it's I funny that you bring that, that book up because my firm is called Audacity. And in that book, Jim Collins talks about how organizations need to focus on big, hairy, audacious goals. Mm-hmm. And it's my uh, belief that companies are really good at big and hairy and goals and are mm. terrible at the audacious part. And so that was that was the whole uh, crux behind yeah, why I is. named the firm Audacity because it's mm. it's that type of different approach and really being bold, I think, is is where organizations need to spend more of their time and less on the big and the hairy and the goals. Right. For sure. And having the right people in the right seat on the bus. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Okay. So tell us, I know you said that um, data collection and surveying is continuous. So Mm -hmm. tell us what employees want, where it's, where it's going, what your future plans are. I know you um, had mentioned Earlier this year, when we were all still traveling, that mm-hmm. you wanted to do a session in Chicago and then travel to London at some point um, <laughs> this fall. Ha ha. That's not the plan anymore. So silly. We were just so silly so at the silly. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's happening now and what do you kind of anticipate um, perhaps in a post-pandemic world? even uh, for the future of what employees want? Well, as, as Benjamin alluded to, the survey is, is live uh, 24-7, 365. So uh, you can get to it at thinkaudacity.surveyoptic.com, which I know is a mouthful. Um, surely you'll follow it with folks in a special way to let them know what that is. But the survey's up and live. Uh, the more people we get in it, the more valuable the data is. Uh, we are working right now on teasing out some of that data and putting that uh, into um, some um, executive size uh, reports. Um, and we're working closely with a number of uh, individual organizations to do bespoke versions for them as well so that we can use that data, compare it to their own data. So they've got, you know, some way to kind of benchmark there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, we've kind of tapped into this vein of finally somebody's asking me as an employee what I really want and need and is giving very actionable advice to the comms team and the HR team about what to do about those things that I've just said. And to me, that's that's the, the future part, the hopeful part of what we're doing is not just to hear what people are really want and need, but to help folks in internal comms and HR know exactly what to do to, you know, to, to give them those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great thing about it being digital, right? And it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can, right. you can do it from wherever you are, right from your desk. And I think... Yeah, it's really important right now with things changing so quickly to, you know, to kind of get out there, get data, get it back quickly, because, you know, for some organizations, things are changing, you know, if not week by week, month by month. And one of the things that's really striking for the research that that I'm doing right now is how people are having really different experiences. Um, And you've got some people like, yay, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And others are like, no, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And you really need kind of understand that and understand where your employees are at because right now it's it's a very different set of experiences for different people for different reasons it's very organization specific and very specific to the individuals and you 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 really got to understand that um, if you're communicating centrally because the the game has changed um and you, you've got to roll with that and know where people are and know what's changing as well because that's the other thing that I'm kind of really seeing in data now as things move a lot more quickly. People are fine, people are fine, people are fine, then people are not fine. Um, and you kind of need to iterate and, and improve and adapt to the situation because people have a kind of set threshold for things and you need to sense when that's changed and adapt to move and, and change the cadence or the tone of voice that you're using to really keep with people and keep people going. Mm, yeah. And I think that's even more important now because, you know, we've all sort of transitioned to working from home, which means we can work from anywhere. But the reverse of that is if we can work for it from anywhere, we can now work for anyone. So the organizations that get all this figured out right 
they'll be able to recruit the best people and retain the best people because if you can truly work from anywhere, you can work for anyone and the employees are going to vote um, for who those people are. And, you know, organizations have just got to get on board with doing everything they can to understand those uh, employees and deliver exactly what it is they want. <laughs> I think that's probably the most fascinating part of this whole pandemic is that it will and has already really shaken up the recruitment space. You know, I, I, it's something I see in the UK, uh, and Ben, you'll see it as well, being a, a, a Londoner or near London, um, is that the the jobs and the progression for for somebody like me it's either manchester or london they're the, they're the hubs now um manchester is completely accessible that's almost where i'm based um but there are jobs that are in london that are really like that that if i want to direct my career and, and move at pace they're all down in london that's right um and hopefully now companies are switching on to the fact that actually we've just survived the last eight months working from home. Right. So yeah. maybe that's just that's the way we're doing it. And they can start pulling it from a real unintended uh, was impact on communication. Previously unavailable to them because they're obviously did that. Like, uh, but similarly, now for people like me, the, the recruitment pool has just opened up. Now with people taking on employees uh, who are very um, geographically dispersed, yeah, is it for I a lot of organizations, they tend to be heavily weighted. Ship me a laptop or I'll use my own. Otherwise, I'm good to go. And that impacts on culture. Yeah, it's exciting. And when you start recruiting people from all over, even within one country, um, you know, whether it's a, a small one like, like the UK um, or, or a big one like the US, you've got really different expectations and, and companies going off. And now if your employees are coming from a much more spread base because you can hire anyone from anywhere, you again, you've got to be much more tuned with your communication, understand what's, what's working and like... You know, talk about cognitive testing stuff when we're building surveys we like sit down with people and go we you know can we just watch you do this just to see what people are understanding you need to do a bit of that communications to understand well okay what does that look like to somebody who's in atlanta what does that look like to somebody who's in uh, swansea in wales and you know, it's it's an extra challenge now because you're communicating to a much more broad audience mm. um, and that's before you know, we get to, to diversity and inclusion and actually kind of being more accessible in our communication more sensitive in it as well um, you know these things got to be done now mm. yeah well thank you both so much for your time today this has been such a great conversation and we appreciate it mm. i have personally been looking forward to this uh, particular episode with both of you since early August, I think, or maybe July, Keith. Um, so thank you, Jason. Thank you, Benjamin. I think the uh, underscore here is companies need mm. to hire Benjamin and Jason to come to what employees want <laughs> <laughs> to figure it out. All right. So thank you both. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> so that was a great uh, conversation. Thank you both so much for coming. And and as Erica said, you know, we're really proud and excited to hear the stuff that you're working on because we. Well, we for me, um, you can go to thinkaudacity.com. Um, so, you know, um, all of my social channels are represented on there. You can find me on LinkedIn under Jason Anthoin. How we talk to our um, people. Those are the best so, ways to um, how can read through all the stuff and find out where I am. Sat there all the way through this and gone. Benjamin? I need this. Uh, I need you this. can find me on um, the Twitter. How can they get in touch <laughs> with you guys <laughs> to find out? Um, and if you, if you don't do the Twitter, um, then um, you can find me on, <laughs> on LinkedIn, just like LinkedIn slash in slash Benjamin Ellis. That's me. Um, 
first first one out there and do you know do get in touch it's it's good to communicate Nice. It is good to communicate. Um, and of course, you can find us um, on the Twitter as well and on the Instagram. And I forget what they are. What's Twitter? Uh, at IC Miscoms. And Instagram is at Internal Miscommunications. That is terrible. Have set up the Riley, I'm not. Any longer um, going to play I your little reindeer game? We know I can't <laughs> do this. Is really, we've had I'm a great conversation. Um, I'm not so going to do it. All that remains is for us to say goodbye and in our time tested manner. Yeah, there's no getting out of here now. Okay, my best, my best one yet is Have you met Jenny? <laughs> it's, it's still so bad. It's a, <laughs> You're gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> that was quite good. That was quite good. Uh, I've got to take I the lorry off to I the coast. To I'll talk, talk to you later. Still... Have you met Jenny? Anyway, uh, I don't know why everybody sounds like Dick Van Dyke though. Right? Uh -huh. Sound like Dick Van Dyke uh -huh. when you guys do. Hiddly diddly diddy. There you are. Ah, Benjamin, that's perfect. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> say goodbye for us. <laughs> easier for us to talk like you silly people over there ladies and gentlemen we're going to sign off have a lovely day y'all see you bye